0: Choir for this month and uh as part of that uh I asked brother Holtzclaw to long several weeks ago plan to preach through the Sunday nights in February and uh so he's got a series he's going to begin tonight take us through the through the end of, of February at least and that's because choir practice wears me out <laughs> and uh I I am spent. I haven't done a whole choir practice in a long time. I had the whole thing tonight. And I'm looking forward to going over here and sitting down. <laughs> but I'm also looking forward to hearing Brother Holtzclaw's message this evening. I know he's excited about something I think that will captivate our attention right out of the Word of God. Get your Bibles ready. I know there's note sheets available. If you didn't get one, lift your hand. The ushers have them. The note, note-taking note sheets, can take some thoughts home with you. And. Uh, Looks like everybody got one. Okay, here's a couple over here on this side and Jerry's coming right there, right there with you. All right, coming this direction. Good, wonderful. Amen. God bless you, Brother Holdsclaw. Thank you so much. Amen.
1: All righty. Well, a little bit of my message tonight in thinking about this series, Pastor said that and about once a year, he really enjoys taking the choir back. He led the choir for many years under Preacher Bartlett's ministry, let alone as pastoring. And I don't know how, Pastor, you preached and led the music choir uh, for those years that you did it and honored to be able to step in now to take the choir and also opportunities to uh, to preach here and there. And then as he comes and does these month-long working with the choir. He enjoys it. The choir enjoys it. I say initially, I'm going to like the time off of not having to direct the choir. And then he has the caveat. You're going to be preaching every Sunday night. Okay, I can, I can do that. And uh, my, my desire is as if I wore myself in choir practice, I'm going to wear myself out and study and practice and presentation for what God's laid upon my heart to give to you. So tonight I want to jump right in because I have way too many pages. Uh, I have 18 pages worth of notes. Uh, I think Preacher Barber said, if I preach two minutes per one, it'd be way too much, uh, even at that. But it's not. It's, it's, it's large print. You could probably read it from there if I were to show it to you. But I'm in Genesis chapter number one, verse number 20. Genesis chapter number one, verse number 20. And we have the slide up there, trying to think of a theme, what to do. And I have so many things that I wanted to preach about in regards to animals. So we're going to start right here in Genesis chapter one, verse 20, where God made the animals. And uh, we'll look at our first animal tonight and or creature. Great and wonderful. I wonder where I got that from. Uh, Great and wonderful animals and creatures of the Bible. And so Genesis chapter (coughs) 1, pardon me, and verse number 20 is where we're down. And we've gone through a lot of things already. I wasn't going to read the whole chapter to you, but I am going to read the back end as we go along. Verse number 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl. That may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind. And every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw it and it was, church, it was good. And God blessed them saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let fowl multiply in the earth And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creature, the living creature, after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was It was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them, and God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and of, over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree, and in the, in the, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you. It shall be for you for meat. And we know in the next couple of verses, verse number 31, and God saw everything that He had made and behold, it was very good and the beginning and the morning were the sixth day. We're going to talk about some animals that God made. So let's pray first, shall we? Heavenly Father, Lord, we love You. We thank You. Guide us, dear Lord, tonight and Your many blessings before us. We praise You. We pray all this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I love animals. I love creatures. Uh, and when I'm around them, I just just want to be near them. I want to learn about them and participate with them. Years ago, I was able to participate at a, f- a farm museum in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and got to be around some animals that I, I hadn't been able to be around before. Uh, sheep, working with sheep. Oxen. I got to actually be around the oxen and guide the oxen in their yoke. I uh, wasn't able to wa- ride the wagon while guiding them, but I did have a stick and was able to poke them. Well, they took me for a ride anyways. Uh, you don't tell a, a, a one-ton beast which way to go. You ask it which way he wants to go. And I, it and I, them... The two oxen that I have started doing a square dance and a little circle around, around, around a circle, and eventually I was able to guide them over to a tree where they they could knock me over, but they couldn't knock that tree over. Well, at least you know I was praying that they couldn't. But I love animals. Been around animals. My first viewing of, of animals as a young kid, of course, is going to zoos. But on TV was that wonderful uh, program called Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. You to watch that. That started in 1963. Yes, that was before I was born. Host Mar- Marlon Perkins and Jim Fowler as they go and they experience the wonderful things and the creatures that they have. And then later in time, I came across that great c- crocodile hunter, Steve Ir- Irwin, and uh, seeing the things that he did. And, of course, in uh, Columbus Zoo, Jack Hanna and all the different creatures that he's been able to show. And just want to be around them and be connected with them. And so, and, and, and all that, just love them. The horses, got involved in horses and cows and, of course, dogs. And yes, I have a cat. And yes, y'all don't even know that I have chickens. Yes, we do. And all that they do. And hey, my chickens talk to me. I told you that before. And they still talk.
0: You also a creature on your suit. I
1: spit. got a creature on my suit. I See, I love them, animals. <laughs> he was giving me tips. What are you doing? <laughs> Sorry, buddy. It wasn't my fault. Okay. Yeah, he's going to stink you later. Uh, Anyway. So all these things. So in in my study and looking at things, and I I wanted to bring messages about the animals of the Bible. So my wife gave me the title. I had a little bit of a different title, but she said the wild and wonderful creatures, animals and creatures of God's holy word. So in pulling from them, I I want to share with you tonight this one animal that's in in the Scriptures, and it is the serpents. The serpents that we have. And uh, the one I want you to see first, of course, around here, we know these and around people are are, don't go near this one is the diamondback rattlesnake. I love this picture. He's already ready. He's already been coiled up. He's getting ready to launch. And if you are able to see it, I don't know if you can see it or not, but he's actually got the venom coming out of his teeth. Whoa. I'm sure some Photoshop guy just put that right in there, just little drops and said, I'm going to make this really look bad and put that in there. But, you know, with rattlesnakes and venom and all that kind of things that's there. But I want to show you some things about these serpents that are in the Bible. And then I'm going to talk about the serpent. So first of all, I want you to see the truth of serpents. The truth of serpents. First of all, I want you to see they're created by God. God made them. He made them. We just read, God made every creature that creepeth upon the earth. And and so God made them. Job chapter number 26. I didn't put any verses on your paper, so if you want to write those down, you're welcome to, to keep reference of them. But Job chapter 26, verse 11. The pillars of heaven tremble and are isolated at His reproof. Verse 12. He divided the sea with His power, and by His understanding, He smiteth through the proud... By His Spirit, He hath garnished the heavens and hath formed the crooked serpent. From garnishing the heavens. What do you think He made in the heavens? That He garnished the heavens. But the stars and everything that we see out there. But with His hand that He made that, He even made and formed the crooked serpent. But which He means all kinds of serpents. And that with even serpents of the sea. (laughs) Even some we call sea monsters. And so I want to show you number B, going pretty quick because I got a lot of pages. God's variety. God's variety. You know, there are over 4,000 snake species out there in the world. Of these, about 600 of them are venomous. Only about 200 of these species of venomous snakes are capable of harming or killing a human being. Given this, these fatal snake bites are less common than people think. So it's impossible to know whether one is going to really do you in or not. But it is always best to be safe. I know some people say a best, the best snake is a dead snake. Not when you're running, been run over by mice or rats or any other little rodent by which they get you. Those cute little tiny chipmunks will wreck your home in a heartbeat if they get a chance. But a snake will help take care of that for you. They have purpose. So don't down on the snake too much. Not too much. So just some little special things that we have. Now, As an individual species, we really don't know the exact number of how many snakes are out there. Scientists estimate that there may be as as many as one million garter snakes in the wild. Garter snakes are okay. But you don't want to play with one when they look like that. And they got their mouth open. There it is. Yeah, somebody's playing with it. So let me ask you this. Which country has the most snakes? Here we go. Brazil. Brazil. We have a missionary or two in Brazil. And I know that they are all constantly on guard. Uh, Brazil has more snake species than any other country in the world. Uh, There are over 375 species living in that country. Some harmless, some dangerous. Brazil is home to 60% of South American rainforest. So it holds all that fertile breeding ground for these reptiles. So we know snakes are legless. Elongated reptiles. <laughs> they belong to the, the, the suborder serpentus ranking. They are uh, cold-blooded. Uh, they uh, rely on their surroundings to help regulate their temperature. They're covered with scales. So let's look at this. The world's biggest snake is the green anaconda. I mean, he would like to hold that beast. I'm not sure how she's holding that beast. Looks like that beast is more holding her than than otherwise. But anyways, this snake can grow up to 30 feet long and weigh up to 550 pounds. Now, on the opposite side of that, the smallest snake is the Barbados thread snake. And it grows to a maximum length of 4.09 inches and can be as small as 3.94 inches. On average, it weighs about 0.02 pounds is how much that weighs. But it's the snakes just the same. So going by the number of human deaths, though, the world's most dangerous snake in the world is the saw-scaled viper. Though it's not the most venomous snake in the world, it is highly aggressive and irritable. It is a bite with enough venom to kill about six people. All at once. In fact, the snake has killed more than fifty thousand people a year. They just attack, and aren't you glad that they're found most parts in Africa and in Asia, including the Middle East. The venomous viper. Next, what you see the most venomous snake in the world is actually the inland taipan, though it causes far fewer fatalities than the salt scaled viper with its extremely potent venom. And a habitat, habit of biting repeatedly, it is a rightfully feared in its homeland of Australia. Australia. So those ones what we have. Yes, they had these back then. But now let's look at uh, C in our notes. Biblical snakes. Biblical snakes. You know, the Bible does have much to say about snakes. They're called serpents. They're called vipers, asp, adders, and even dragons by their name. We see these serpents throughout the Bible from Genesis to the book of Revelation. One we're going to look at a bit tonight is the one that we find in the Garden of Eden. We also find in the book of Exodus where Moses uh, turned his rod into a serpent. And then pick the serpent back up into a rod before Pharaoh. We find, him, find Moses again in the book of Numbers. When the people had sinned. And we'll see that a little later in the, serf- in the message about the fiery servants, the serpents that went throughout the camp. We find it in Psalms where it shows us pictures of the serpent's traits. Psalm 58, verse 4. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth the, her ear. We see warnings of the serpents in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 23, verse 31 says, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red. And often we stop there when we're talking about alcohol. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. In the New Testament, we see the story of Paul. And Paul, with the, at, after having been shipwrecked, is now on land. He's standing by the fire and one viper just reaches out from the, the fire and grabs a hold of him. Acts 28, verse 3. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. The rest of the reading goes, they were amazed and many received Christ by seeing what was done by that serpent out of the flame. But we go back now to Job chapter 26. In Job chapter 26 and verse 13, we find out that about this, this crooked serpent. This crooked serpent. Some theologians from the view of this word rendered crooked used as an epithet uh, to designate the kind of serpent intended. Observes that in, in, in any of those senses that the applicable trait is that of the great dragon. That of that old Serpent. That one that's called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And we see scriptures about that. Pastor preached about this on Wednesday night and how to defeat the serpent, defeat the devil. He mentioned a little bit this morning in his message. We're going to learn a bit more about that. So I want you to see number one the serpent in the garden. The serpent in the garden. If we turn over our Bibles to Genesis chapter number 3, if you'll turn there with me. Genesis chapter number 3. If you're still in Genesis chapter 1, just for me, it's just a couple pages over. Genesis 3.1 says this, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall now eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and It was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So what was this serpent? What was this beguiling creature that was there at the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Now, I know many, an artist has drawn pictures of this serpent in the tree. But it doesn't say it, that he's in the tree. It would be kind of common knowledge to think, yeah, well, snakes are going to be up in a tree. We're not really sure what this serpent is yet. But other than by name as of a serpent, is it a dragon? Does it have legs? Does it have? We know that it talks. We know that it has other things going on about it. But what is this? So we're going to see, first of all, what is this serpent? A, we definitely know it's God created. It's God created. Oh, I'm sure it's unlike any other beast that was there. Because we find a specific statement there in Job 26, verse 13. He garnished the heavens and with his hand he formed the crooked serpent. The crooked serpent. So what was the shape of this crooked serpent? What what was the form of this crooked serpent? It's not mentioned, but it's believed that it was different from any of the others. It was a creature, uh, some people ask, was it a creature of Satan himself? Either or, it was an it or a he. We can definitely say to this point, it was God made. It was God made. I believe that it was Satan himself. Now, scholars can debate that and you're welcome to debate that and that's fine. We're welcome to our opinion, but I believe it was Satan himself. If you can get there, turn to Ezekiel 28. In Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 11, here we find In this passage, God giving to the prophet Ezekiel a breakdown about this creature there in the garden. For he didn't start as that creature we find there in Ezekiel 28:11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealeth up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in where, church? It says in Eden. How many folks were in Eden? How many folks were in Eden? Two. And the beasts and the creatures and this creature were in Eden. Because as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? He threw them out to where there was no others in that place called Eden. Thou has been in Eden. Well, it could be another Eden. Maybe it's Eden, North Carolina or Eden, Pennsylvania. No. <laughs> Thou has been in Eden. Continue the garden of God. And he says, every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and and. Gold, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. He did. He did. Number two, till iniquity was found. Till iniquity was found. And so we find in verse number 15, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Iniquity. We have not an answer about why this iniquity. But there it is. And there it was. We find him in this fallen state. We find in Isaiah 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the, the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. What a prophecy. What a revealing. Who is this creature? Who is this beast? Who is this cherub that he made? Who is this angel? Who is this serpent? As we see, the serpent in the garden didn't start out as a wicked one, but he sure became one. When he exalted himself as himself, To where he said, I will, I will, I will. Can I put a little plug here as a preacher and say it's 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 bad on a child of God to say something that that you will do more than what God wants you to do. I'm going to do this. I will make my own choices. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go my own way. My friend, that's not wise. The wise decision is Proverbs 3. Verse 5 and 6, and trusting in the Lord with all thine heart, and leaning not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Let it be his way. Let it be his way. But he chose the other way. He chose the other way. And in choosing so, he has now become the beguiling one, beguiling God's creation ever since. Everything that God has done was good. Satan is trying to take and make it be bad. The serpent has come. He is now beguiling the first two human beings that God breathed into them the breath of life. He wasn't going after the cattle. He wasn't going after the sheep. He wasn't going after the birds. He wasn't hanging out trying to beguile them. Who was he working to beguile? Adam and Eve which ultimately turned out to be you and me. And he hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped. And so he's coming after God's special creation in which God breathed in the breath of life, you and me, the human race. Because the serpent has many titles. By that, I'm going to give him at this moment the understanding, the devil. The devil is a deceiver. John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil. The devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is the liar and the father of it. He, the devil, he is the tempter. We find that when he came to tempt Jesus, the Son of God, Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. He came after Jesus. First Thessalonians three five for this cause when I could no longer forbear, Paul said, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Paul was concerned about the Christians that he had led to Christ, concerned about a new church that the tempter would come in and pull them away. Just as pastor gets behind the pulpit and gives us what we need to arm ourselves to do battle against the devil and every day in and prayer and, 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 and reading these words and being faithful unto the Lord. He's a tempter. The devil is a thief. John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. What do we see the serpent doing in the garden right now? He's come to steal and to kill. He's a murderer. We just saw that. In John 8, 44, he was a murderer from the beginning. The devil is a distorter, a distorter. He changes everything. He takes everything that God created and puts his spin on it. He takes everything that's good and makes it bad. He takes everything that is right and makes it wrong. The great foundation that God has given to us to be able to enjoy in life and that of marriage, God has taken and distorted it and has twisted it and made everything that's special in it to be perverted. And my friend, that's the devil doing and working upon the heart of man, saved and lost. And my friend, he hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped. So from that Place by the tree, beguiling now the woman. We find in Genesis 3, 1b, I want you to see the sin's catastrophe. Sin's catastrophe. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the other trees of the garden, but not this one. And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that thou eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods. The serpent, continuing on and on and on again with the many names that he carries. He's subtle. He's conniving. He's lying. He's hateful. He's a thief. He feeds upon the evil of this world and desires all of God's creation to fall into hell with him. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. So Eve eats, and Adam eats, and sin entered into the world. We find that there. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, gives us a definition of what happened. He says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men for that all of sin. So we find sin entered into the world in that passage. We find death by sin. That death by sin, my friend, is the separation not only from the living and the non-living, but that separation from God. For without Him, we are condemned already for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. For whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life he came not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be condemned. We are condemned already. Condemned unto death, separated from God. And number three, it's his passed upon all men and women and children and teenagers and all the above from the serpent, that serpent in the garden that beguiled Eve. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop with the curse given now to Eve in childbearing. It didn't stop there unto Adam with the curse given unto him that he shall work by the sweat of his brow and the thorns and the thistle shall come up. It didn't stop there. But we find C, the letter C, the serpent's curse. The serpent's curse. Genesis three fourteen and the Lord said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed; it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So first, I want you to see the unknown extent of this curse. The unknown extent of this curse. For where he was as an upright creature, from what we can only perceive, that now he's a belly creature. From what we can perceive as a fact, it does not say he lost arms or legs, or if he even had arms or legs. But we do now he's on, know that he's on his belly. This could be a lizard of some sort. This could be an alligator of some sort. Yes, this could be a snake or serpent of some sort. All the above. Well, Brother Tim, I don't like any of those either. (laughs) Okay, anyways. But whatever it was, it was instantly changed. And to its belly it did go. And to the dust it did eat. Now, I found this passage of Scripture in Isaiah, chapter 65 and verse 25. In the new world, God's perfect world. Not only a new heaven and a new earth. We know in verse 25, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And dust shall be the serpent's meat. So I'll say at that point, all the serpents are going to eat dirt. They shall not hurt nor destroy in, my, in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. And my friend, what a day that's going to be when my Savior I shall see. So that's the unknown extent of the curse. So let's go to the known extent of the curse. He says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Well, we do know what happened to the serpent, to the devil, to the deceiver, is the fulfillment of the prophecy given right there. And the fulfillment of that prophecy is not just with the devil, but with Jesus himself. When Jesus hung on the cross, my friend, there the scientists and medical folks say that by how he hung, as being nailed, his heel was bruised. And we know beyond the, spirit, the physical realm, under the spiritual realm, that at that point the sin debt had been paid. That grip that the devil had over the world has now been, been vanquished. We are now free. In Christ, and ye shall be free indeed. In Christ, a story in the New Old Testament that kind of gives us that picture is the one that I referenced earlier in Numbers chapter twenty-one and verse eight. When the people murmured against God, they murmured about different things as they were there in the wilderness, and they murmured many times. But at this time, God sent fiery serpents among the midst, and they were dying left and right. And they came to Moses and said, Moses, go to God. Go to God and talk to God that he may save us from these fiery serpents. Numbers 21, verse 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looketh up shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. He lived. Jesus said in the New Testament, John 3, verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All we have to do is look and live. All we have to do is look and live. Good friend of mine wrote a song about that. We even sing that good old song called Look and Live here at Maranatha. So it was that old serpent. Now I'm going to say this once. I am going to my Conclusion. But I'm not done with the sermon yet. So in conclusion. It was that old serpent in the tree that brought man down. And it is now Jesus on that old tree that brings man back up. It was that serpent there that beguiled Eve in the garden. But it's the Lord Jesus Christ who was risen up above between heaven and earth where he gave his life and paid that sin debt for you and for me. Oh, my friend, I was just 10 years old in my front yard when I looked and I saw and I believed and I trusted Christ. Before that, a servant to sin. Before that, a servant unto Satan. After that, a believer in Christ, a child of God, a servant of the Lord. Oh, my friend, what a trade. What a good trade to have. It's lost and dying. Man now can be saved from the sin and from the wiles of the devil. And in death, the death of Jesus and the bruising of his heel brought that life to all of us and the destruction to the serpent. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, he says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent. Hmm, what serpent could that be? which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bodiless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Now we go down to verse number seven. And when the thousand years were expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, together them together to battle, the number of whom as the sand of the sea. And they went up upon the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. My friend, he's not there now. Don't be deceived by Hollywood. Don't be deceived in the fact that he loves fire. Don't be deceived in the fact that he is already there welcoming people in and having a party, laughing and screaming and having a grand old time. My friend, he's not there yet. He's not going to like it just like anybody else that's going to be heading that way. So not just him is going to be cast into that lake of fire, but the beast, the false prophet, the fallen angels, and all that follow his way. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. And as I close, and yes, I am closing. In Revelation chapter 20, and verse 11, it says that I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those, book, those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. First of all, don't let this be you. Don't let this be you. I've been at churches and I've had folks in my church that had been playing the roulette game with God. I think I got saved. Maybe I got saved. Well, I kind of... I wish I could get this settled. My friend, you don't don't want that to be spinning wildly. You want to settle that. Settle it. Settle it with God. The stakes are way too high. This place that the devil's going to, this old serpent, his time is coming to an end. And my friend, he deserves every bit of it. Every bit of it. But my friend, mankind does not. But in that, if they die in their sin, not having received Christ, my friend, this is where they're going. And God made a way for them to have salvation. And God has made the way for you to have salvation. And God now wants us to know where where it all came from, from that in the Garden of Eden and passed upon all men. And my friend, He wants you, He wants me, He wants all of us to go and tell. And tell the gospel story. The serpents are there. And they're wanting to bite you. And they want you to drag you down in the pits of hell with them. It's all fun and games now. But there will come a time it won't be. It won't be. So let's look unto Jesus. For our salvation. Looking unto Jesus. For our everyday race of life. Hebrews chapter twelve verse one and two, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience that is set before us. Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set down before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Serpents. They're in the Bible. And so are other animals and creatures. But my friend, don't let this one bite you. Don't let this one infect you with his poison. Maybe tonight you just need to talk to God about the things that you've allowed him to beguile you into. And right now they're probably already processing in your head what those things are. Don't go another night. Don't go another day. Letting the devil have part of you. That old serpent. That wily one in the Garden of Eden. More subtle than any other creature. Because he wants to ruin you. And ruin your testimony. Ah. But my Bible tells me the greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. Resist the devils. we learned back on Wednesday. Look it up online. I'm sure it's posted. And look at the sermon, how you can have victory over Satan. So that old serpent. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We praise you. Lead us, Lord, tonight. Lord, help us to see who our enemy is. And Lord, that the victory has been won. So Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. We pray all this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor.
0: Let's sing together. Four hundred and eighty nine. Four hundred and eighty nine. I surrender all. Just yielding ourselves to the Lord is the opposite of yielding ourselves to the wicked one who wants to destroy our influence, weaken our faith.